is Tansley Stearns? Tansley Stearns is your greatest challenger and biggest cheerleader. Inspirational human being who loves people. Future forward leadership. Tansley Stearns is a badass. Tansley Stearns is my mom, my hero, and I love her very much. I am Tansley Stearns, and this is Despite Impossible. I am a longtime credit union executive leading Community Financial as president and CEO. I have always admired and been inspired by people whose passion is boundless and who don't comprehend the word impossible. This show focuses on their stories. Today's guest is Maysoon Zaid, an American actress and comedian of Palestinian descent. She is known as one of America's first Muslim female comedians. She started her career by appearing on the popular soap opera As the World Turns and for guest appearances on Law & Order, NBC Nightly News, and ABC's 2020. Who is Maysoon Zaid? So I'm Maysoon Zaid. I'm a comedian, uh, a comic book writer, a cat mom. I'm Palestinian. I'm Muslim. I'm a Jersey girl. And I'm funny. (laughs) You sure are. You make me laugh every time I speak with you. (laughs) Finish this sentence for me. The world will be a better place when... The world will be a better place when people prioritize feeding everybody instead of hoarding billions. Love that. When you're at your happiest, most joyful moments, you listen to? They very bad. <laughs> I thought that's what you might say. <laughs> I know. like, And I thought, I'm like, right now when you just asked me, because, of course, you sent me the questions. I never yes. looked at them because I don't prepare. I'm a comedian. <laughs> we just freestyle. That's right. But I was like, I just heard that. I'm like, this is so unoriginal, but I cannot tell a lie. Yes. Dave Matthews band. We don't- also went on my saddest. Yeah, agree. That's what's so great about Dave. So I know we don't do this much anymore, but if you were listening to an album from first song to last song, what would you choose? Oh, I do this all the time. Do you? Okay, good. So it's a tie. Okay. It's a tie between Dave Matthews Band Under the Table Dreaming. Okay. Epic. Yes. Or Beyonce Lemonade. <gasps> oh, such good choices. I love that we share such a divergent view of music. Yeah. I love that. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I can put on Lemonade and every single time I'm just like, to be that great. She's (laughs) magical. Magical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell us what made you laugh out loud lately. My cat. I know. It sounds like so sad. No. But my cat cracks me up. Like, I came downstairs the other day and she was just sitting on a chair. I shared the video on Instagram. She was just sitting on a chair on her butt like a human being, just chilling. And she sat there for like 30 minutes and I was like, I have failed you. I need to bring you like friends of your own species because clearly you think you're me because you're sitting on a chair like Archie Bunker. Okay, like, <laughs> yeah, see, you're laughing about it too. And yes. honestly, so I face planted in the city. So for those of you who don't know me, I have cerebral palsy. I'm not just like, ah. um, but I am kind of just like, ha ha ha. But I also have cerebral palsy and I face planted in New York city and I hit into a woman Mm. like a domino and I knocked her down and she was carrying wine and it shattered and all I could think was 
if I was in high school, my mom would never believe me, right? Because I'm just soaked in alcohol. I reek. And she would be like, oh, yeah, sure, definitely. And the only thing that happened was your lip. You break your nose, none of your teeth, just your lip, and you reek of alcohol. She would totally thought I just slammed the glass in my face. So that cracked me up when I bounced up from the face plant, and I was like, I didn't break my nose. I didn't break my teeth. Whoa! <laughs> so I guess survival really cracks me up. And also, uh, one other thing, I went to the World Cup. <gasps> what? So, so just really quick. I know I've completely diverged. No, it's amazing. Questions, yeah. But I'll do it really quick. Yeah. So September 20th, I almost died. I end up in the hospital for seven weeks. Then I get totally better, just like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Then I get invited to the World Cup. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll go halfway across the world to Qatar by myself after being in the ICU for 10 days. Why not? Yeah. So I go and it was like gold-plated Disneyland. What? And I'm telling, yeah, it was like clean. Everything was free. What? Everything was happy. It was like the greatest place on earth. But of course, you know, it's like, Everything has an underbelly, of course, but sure. it was just like so much fun. And I have to tell you, that whole scene made me laugh out loud. Like they had these things called the VVIP lounge, oh. like more than VIP. Oh, you, were you get two V's. Uh, Two of these. Okay. And I walked in, I, I limped in. I limped in and I was laughing like I had just won a million dollars. I was like, oh, this is I had I have a twenty year career and it's pretty illustrious. Like yes. I've worked with Serena Williams and Dave Chappelle and Jerry Seinfeld. I have never in my life seen such glitz and glamour as I did in Qatar. And the shallow, shallow Jersey girl in me loved it and cackled <laughs> out loud. That's so great. And people with me would be like, What are you laughing at? And I was like, three things. May soon found her niche by leveraging opportunities to lead with empathy and compassion. The experience she shared with us during her World Cup participation breaks barriers in an ableist society. Being seen matters more than we may realize. Have you ever been approached with a gratitude message by someone looking up to you from a distance? More people than you know are watching and learning from your journey. This is the true essence of Despite Impossible. When was the last time you danced so hard that your feet hurt? So it was a Post Malone concert. Um, they had a Post Malone concert and a fashion show. And again, even though I have cerebral palsy, I walk. And there's no shame in not walking, using a wheelchair or walker, anything you need. I just happen to walk. But when I got struck down in September, I was paralyzed from my nose to my toes. And when my physical therapist was teaching me how to walk, I showed her videos of me on Instagram dancing because I have cerebral palsy and my parents couldn't afford physical therapy. So they sent me a dancing school. So like I learned how to like really like have balance and like move. My dad taught me how to walk, but like holding on to a dance bar is how I learned how to like really function. So when I started to learn how to walk again, I would show them these dance videos and I would always say, that used to be me. 
And Katie, my physical therapist, would say, that's going to be you. That's still you. So when I went to Qatar, they were like, hey, we're going to a Post Malone concert. It's free. And I was like, yeah. And that was the very first time I danced. And I had them videotape me like while I was dancing at the Post Malone concert. And it was like, it was just such a dream because... There's a trauma that people don't talk about once they've gotten out of the hospital. They're like, okay, I'm better. I don't want to talk about it. But like I was in Qatar and I would just like remember laying in the ICU and I'd be like, how did I get here? So it was just like such a great dance, you know, to just go like all in on that. And also I was styled by my friend Angie. So like I was also wearing the perfect outfit to dance in. It was this black Rocky Horror Picture Show glitter t-shirt with like the big lips. And it was just like all intense. And I just remember being like, if this was a movie. So I had two, if this was a movie, no one would believe it moments. So even during the pandemic, well, we're still in the pandemic. We are not out of it. But at the beginning of the pandemic, I was only not doing stand-up comedy for one month. One wow. month in, I did virtual stand-up comedy immediately. Yes. Like I was like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. But when I got knocked down, I was out for three whole months. So I make my triumphant return to the stage. And who drops by the comedy club to surprise everyone? Jerry Seinfeld. So my epic return to the stage, Jerry Seinfeld basically opens for me and I go right after him. Then the first time I dance again is this like glitz, glamour, sparkle fashion show with all these Arab designers and Post Malone singing. And I'm in this like private box with all these people I absolutely adore wearing like the perfect outfit. I'm like, if I wrote this in a movie, absolutely no one would believe it. No one. Oh my gosh. Amazing. But life's not like all roses, you know, like for every great part of it, you have the part where you're like, oh, hey, I had a medical catastrophe. I didn't work for three months. I'm three months behind on every aspect of my life. So there's, you know, both sides of the, it's amazing. the snow globe. <laughs> yes, yes. When you feel down, you heal by? TV. TV. Oh, what's your favorite yeah, show? There's no favorite. It's moods. Okay. I love, I love when my cat crossed the rainbow bridge, I watched WandaVision because it's all about like having your heart break so intensely that like it destroys the world, <laughs> that kind of thing. But then Schitt's Creek brings me joy. And I strangely love MASH because it's like anti-war propaganda mixed in comedy, mixed in like Alan Alda. So I, I love that. I mean, I could watch Modern Family and the Golden Girls and Good Times for like hours. But I love Little House on the Prairie because it reminds me of being a kid. But I know it's highly problematic because like the depiction of Native Americans is just atrocious. But it's still like power reminds me of my dad and stuff like that. And then, I mean, General Hospital. I literally watched General Hospital five days a week for the past, like, whole life. 
right. You know, my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Who's someone you look up to? Dolly Parton. Oh, tell me more. So, first of all, she's a shameless entertainer. Dolly entertains her. She just did uh, New Year's Eve with Miley Cyrus. And her voice was like magic. It was so perfect. At her age, her voice is still flawless. And I'm looking at this woman wearing the tightest dress I could ever imagine. And like, I wear mesh. Like if anyone can see me, my clothes are all stretchy and can be rolled in a ball. And she's wearing this like tight beaded corset. And I'm like, how is this woman singing at the perfect pitch with the perfect breath? And what it is is, she is an entertainer first. And that's what I am. Like I'm a jack of all trades. I teach at Princeton. I'm a comedian. I write comic books. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm an entertainer first. And that's what Dolly is. But Dolly is inherently good. And I think of like when certain people die, you look at Twitter and it's a mixed bag. Some people are like good riddance and other people are like, you know, I love that person. But with Dolly, no one says anything bad about Dolly Parton. There's nobody that's got beef with her except for Jolene. And it's like, I feel like Jolene and her have gone over that at this point. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be remembered as somebody who brought good and brought smiles, but also didn't take themselves too seriously. Dolly doesn't take herself seriously at all. But like Christmas on the Square is like one of the best Christmas movies, but it's camp. It knows it's making fun of the genre. Like she's 8 million steps ahead of everyone else. I love that. What are some of the challenges that you face that have felt insurmountable? Racism. Mm. It feels so insurmountable. I started something called the New York American Comedy Festival in 2003. A terrible name picking. It should have just been Arab Comedy Fest, but I was, you know, 20s. So I didn't know about the internet. But we started it post 9-11 to combat the negative images and stereotypes of Arabs in media. And then I didn't think 20 years later that that would be so much like more hateful and more strong. And I always joke about the fact that like I get death threats, right? And it's like, who sits at home and wants to kill the disabled comic with a cat named Beyonce? Like, what is that? But what that is, is the framing of the fact that I, as like a loud, proud Muslim woman, born and raised in New Jersey, American as apple pie, they don't want that because I don't fit the supremacist image of what an American is. So the thing that I found insurmountable is the fact that I just can't get the people in the middle, the ones who are not supporting the racism and the ones who are not fighting the racism, but the people who are just like, do we have to talk about it? It's like so uncomfortable. Doesn't affect my daily life. And like, look, like you're living a great life. Like they haven't actually killed you. Like, you know, you are free. It's not the Taliban. And I'm like, 
Hmm. And that's why I found insurmountable is explaining like how important it is that we, the people just completely reject hatred. And when I do public speaking, I do a joke about how disability doesn't discriminate regardless of race, religion, age, ethnicity, gender, who you love, class, and we should all be more like disability. Yeah. Has there been a point in your journey where you felt like giving up? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) I actually fell off screen. Are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. Do you know how many people have, like, shoved me off of my path of success? Just like, like, I've had the most traumatic career experiences from like day one. I mean, I would audition in New York City and I would walk in. This is before like the internet. There were newspapers and we would go to auditions and I would walk in and before I even opened my mouth, people would look at me and go, no, 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 no. Just like get out. Don't even talk. And then like I sold a television show to ABC and it got hijacked by a non-funny, non-disabled non-Muslim person and it, it was garbage and I like refused to do it and I had to walk away from an ABC TV series but then like I learned a lesson from that and now I have like a shark of a lawyer named Ashley Silver who makes sure that like I always get final word now mm-hmm. but having to like having your dream explode. Like I was going to have a sitcom on ABC. My dream casting, I didn't have it, but my dream casting was Cher was going to play my mother. Tony Shell, who was going to play my father. It was going to be like comedy gold. And instead people were like, what if the girl with cerebral palsy is completely invisible, unsuccessful and wears boxing gloves. And I was like, what? And like, I created a character who was in a love triangle because I wanted to bring like sexy back to disability because we're not thought of as like romantic leads. And literally they took her out of the love triangle and had her pining for someone she was invisible to. And, and I swear to God, this is an actual quote. One of the producers said to me, if she's too successful, she'll make normal people feel bad. So like, I'm trying to get my dreams to come true and I'm having conversations like this and absolutely nobody's on my side because like the way that the industry works, nobody protects you. Right. It's like, this is how we do it. It's going to be successful. Once it's successful, they'll let you have more leeway. Just, and I'm like, I can't, I will never be the negative stereotype that I fought for my entire life. I was like, you can get any other person with cerebral palsy to play this, but that's not me. But that's when it becomes like, this is when I quit. Because when you get to like the top of the mountain and they're like, this is what you can't have. And then you watch everyone else that you mentored get their shows and get their Netflix specials while you sit back and still have nothing. Like I've never had a Netflix special. I have the most watched TED Talk of 2014. Millions and millions and millions of views. I've never gotten a Netflix special. I've never gotten two and a half minutes on late night TV shows. When we pitch me, People think I'm inspirational and not funny, but you know, I'm a comic, like a real hardcore comic. 
But the only reason I don't quit is because it's too expensive to be disabled and I get paid mad cash to be funny. (laughs) I love your realism. (laughs) You You don't get to go to Mexico if you don't sell those tickets. That's right. That's right. So what advice do you have for people who have this fear of inaction but have this fire in their bellies and encouraging them to use that fire in their bellies to get to action and movement? Okay, so if you do the action, is there a risk of you or anyone around you dying? If not, just do it. (laughs) If so, don't. Like, I'm not telling you to act at all. If you're like, you know what? I just really want to try this, like, propeller that I made out of paper mache and glitter. I'm not telling you that action. I think that you have to say to yourself, what reaction does the action have? And if the action is safe and it's too big and scary, can you break it down into smaller actions, right? So is the if the action is going up a flight of stairs, and you're like, I can't, I can't do it. It's impossible. Is there a way to get up one stair? Can you scoot up on your butt? What are the different ways that the action can be more accessible to you? What is stopping you from doing the action, if not fear? And if that fear isn't actually killing someone, then you have to get over the fear. Can I teach people how to get over fear? No, because the brain is actually an organ and every single one of ours works different. And anxiety is real. Anxiety is real. I can't just tell you, bottle down that anxiety, pop up and do it. But what I can tell you is when the anxiety is not there, what can you do? How can you get it started when you're at your best? So that when you're at your worst, it's there to catch you. I love that. What's your next impossible, my friend? I want to be a, a co-host on The View. I haven't oh, given up. I love this that. This is the first year in my life I haven't watched it. I've watched it from the beginning. I watched it every day. And then this year I quit because I just couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. But I still want to be a co-host on The View. They've always had a really strong comedy base. And I'm extremely, extremely political. But also, I'm a pop culture genius. Like, I studied to be on Jeopardy. I can talk about every musical genre. But I also know sports. Like, the only thing I don't know in the world is money. Like, I'm not good at, like, economics (laughs) or stocks or, like... I can't help you at all with your taxes. I don't know. Yeah. I can't even Venmo you. I have no <laughs> idea. I'm like, just just leave me alone. Maysoon and I have a special connection for our boundless love and appreciation for Dave Matthews Band's musical genius. In fact, that's how we first met. Her charisma, energy, and positive outlook in life have helped her navigate the busy celebrity and activism circles she navigates with grace. But don't let her sense of humor fool you. She is a force to be reckoned with. All right, last question. Best Dave song ever. No, we can't be done. I know. We can so hang out every single month. We should, because you're amazing. What's the last question? What's your favorite Dave song? Best song ever. What's my favorite Dave song? Yeah. I know. Picking one is like picking your favorite kid, which is why I only have one kid. <laughs> 
I'm going to do silver. I'm going to do gold, silver, bronze. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like the it. bronze. Yeah. Okay. Bronze medal, dancing Nancy's. Oh. Silver medal, ants marching. Gold medal, Gray Street. This concludes today's episode. For exclusive content, visit us at despiteimpossible.com and subscribe to this podcast.